This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. If you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to read your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is present to enlighten our hearts and our minds to grasp what you want us to learn from what was written. We ask now that you would help us to understand so that our lives will be a reflection of your love. And I pray that the good news that was brought to us will be brought to others through us this Christmas season and throughout the coming year. In Jesus' name, amen. As I look over the story of the arrival of God to this earth in human form, it really amazes me at the process that he used to reveal such an amazing event. The truth is, is that through the proclamation of the prophets, there were many who were looking forward to this day for a long time. They were looking for the Messiah to come. They had a little difference of an understanding as to what he would do. We see that uh, in the way that the disciples interacted with Jesus. But they knew that someone was coming to bring salvation. And they were able to read the many uh, prophets and what they prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. And now, here we see written an account of how it happened, not only of Jesus coming to this planet, but also of how that would be introduced to the world. And I want to begin in verse 8. And it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, that that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. Now, on that night, if we look prior to verse 8, we see that Jesus had just uh, been born. In fact, it says that in verse 7, Mary gave birth to her first child, a son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, I believe that this was not a lack of planning upon uh, the, the part of our Heavenly Father, uh, but rather it was a uh, specifically planned uh, event in that there was no lodging for Joseph and Mary, and so they ended up in this place that was where the animals would be staying. See, God never intended for his arrival to uh, be surrounded by pomp and circumstance. God intended 
to come and to minister to those who were in deep need. And so it's only appropriate that he would come in such a way that would identify with those who would be in deep need. And when you are going into an area and you can't even find a place to stay, well, that uh, uh, qualifies as a person who is in need. And so Mary and Joseph found themselves in a situation that had they uh, been able to plan, no doubt they would have tried to make something uh, work out to where Mary would not be giving birth in a stable. But that's how it worked out. And I believe that it worked out exactly as God intended. And that's good news for us because how many times do you and I find ourselves in a situation that you feel that you can't plan for? And you would say to yourself, if only I could have planned for that, I would have done things a whole lot different. But life happens quickly sometimes, doesn't it? And you don't have time to plan. And I'm so thankful that God, he works in the midst of things that seems like they're out of control. If you were God in heaven, think about how you would have orchestrated the event of your child coming into the world that he created. For the scripture says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and that all things that were created were created by him. So now consider that the creator of the universe is showing up on his own planet, and he chooses to come in the most unlikely of places. And I believe that God not only did it back then that way, but he's still doing it that way. You know the scripture? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, have a meal with him, and we'll share fellowship together. That was Jesus saying those words. Do you know who those words are addressed to? They're addressed to the church. How unfortunate it would be if Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, showed up at a church and was not welcome in the very place where he is to be celebrated and honored. See, God's not looking for popularity. And yet sometimes, how tempted are we to lift our value level based upon how popular we are? There's the temptation that when many people are calling you by name or when you have a higher profile in the eyes of society, it's so easy to feel like you're a little bit more important. But you need to remember this. Your value in the eyes of the Lord does not change one iota based upon what other people say about you. If everybody's praising you, it doesn't make you any more valuable. And here's the flip side to that. 
if everybody's cursing you. Neither does it change your value. The Bible says that as fire tests the metal, so a man is tested by praise. And I believe that at times when the praises are poured on, there's so much greater of a temptation to not lean on the Lord, but we lean on ourselves. When Jesus came, he didn't come to the places where there was great population initially. He went and ministered to them. But when the announcement was made, we see here that these shepherds who were staying in the fields nearby, they were guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, shepherds were of the lowly people. These were not the people that were raking in the big bucks in the day. These were people that had a very modest living and a very modest life. In fact, there were plenty of places that Jesus could have been announced where there would have great, been great pomp and circumstance. But there was a specific setup of God revealing himself and his son to the world, and it began in a field. And verse 9 says that suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Notice who got first dibs on the information. This is very important. You see, because the way that God worked back then is the same way he works now. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, notice that this information was being shared by an angel who was not on scene at the time. God had this all planned out. God knew exactly where Jesus was going to be born. God was not in heaven rushing around going, man, I can't believe uh, my, uh, Mary doesn't have a place to stay. Let's get something in order. He was working through the what seemed to be unplanned circumstances in the situation of Joseph and Mary, and God is working in your unplanned circumstances as well. Some of you in this place may be very good planners. And you plan ahead, you get everything organized, and it's good to plan. But the challenge that even the best planner in this room faces is that we all face situations that we don't plan. We all face situations that catch us by surprise. And the more we learn that God is in the midst of our lives and directing our steps, even when things aren't going according to plan, the more we find peace and rest in a God who is working out miracles in situations that 
to us seem like they are not planned, not organized, and not structured. Some of you, it's not just an event that has happened that threw you off course, but maybe some of you have had situations in your life that were totally unexpected. A change of job that came to you seemingly out of nowhere. You were doing just fine, and all of a sudden you got some news that you never expected. I want you to know that God is still in the mix when you do not plan for something to happen. Because God is the one who oversees it all. In fact, I love the verse in Scripture, and it's talking about the casting of dice. And for us in this world, it's something that is very random. It is something that we have no idea how it's going to turn out. That's what makes it so uh, interesting because you throw the dice and you don't know what number is going to happen. But the scripture tells us, it says, the lot is cast, but the outcome is of the Lord. And I'm always encouraged by that because there are times where it might feel in my life or yours that you came up with a number that was totally unexpected. But you need to know this, that the moment you give your life to Christ, you have given the steering wheel of your life over to him, and God's a good driver. He knows exactly how to direct your life. And there may be some swerves here and there. There may be potholes you never saw. And you're going, what is going on here? But God sees your life. And he will take you in directions that will spare your life. That happened to Mary and Joseph. God, through an angel, directed Mary and Joseph to leave where they were and to go to another place because he knew that all of the children in that area would be killed because the enemy was trying to destroy the Messiah. But what happened? God turned the steering wheel. Go here. Go there. And the thing that you and I have to learn to do is to trust that God is still in control when we feel like our life is out of control. When you're falling, fall back on him because you can rely on him. The angel proclaims this message, and I love the way that the Lord lays this out because First, one angel's on the scene. The shepherds are told the good news. And then it's like God had planned the whole thing out. He says, now at just the right time, you, 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 I want you to all of a sudden appear as backup, and I want you to sing a song. And so in verse 13, it says, and suddenly... The angel was joined by a vast host. It doesn't tell us the exact number, but it sounds like a lot of angels. So a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. It was God's plan that this message not simply be communicated by one, although it started with one angel, but then many angels showed up to be able to share 
about how God would be glorified in heaven and how those on earth who had received the blessing of God, that they would receive God's peace. And so they leave. And I can only imagine what the shepherds were speaking to each other about. I mean, can you imagine having never experienced anything like that in your life? Not only seeing one angel, but then all of a sudden having the whole place light up with a whole bunch of angels and they proclaiming this message. And their response was, we got to go check this out. That's exactly what they ended up doing. It says that they hurried, uh, well, they said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened and what the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Then the shepherds went back to the flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The news began to spread, and it began to, to spread through the lowly of the low. And God intended for the message of his son to be communicated to everyone around the planet. Because it is God's will that none perish. God doesn't want the poor to perish, and he doesn't want the rich to perish. He doesn't want those who are uneducated to perish, and he does not want those who are educated to perish. God cares about every culture. He cares about every people group. He cares about those who have it all together, and he cares about those who don't. And you need to know this morning that God cares about you. He cares about your circumstances. He knows not only where you live, but he knows what goes on in your home. He knows the times when you feel overwhelmed, and he understands where your heart is, and he loves you, and he cares about you. And his plan and his purpose is not only for you to be able to hear the message, which many of you in this place have had the privilege of hearing over and over and over again. And if you keep coming here, you're going to hear it over and over and over again. But I want you to know that there are many people in this world, some who have never heard it even the first time. And so you and I, like the shepherds, have a message to carry. And as the scripture says that all those who heard it, they were astonished. They were astonished, no doubt, because this was something that was very unusual. But the message remains the same. Nothing has changed. There's been no rewrite of the message. The gospel is the same today as it was back then. The message that the shepherds carried is the same message that God desires us to carry. That Jesus came down to this planet to live among us so that he could die so that you and I could have hope for eternal life. And sometimes we write people off because of circumstances that they go through. Sometimes we write people off because we're afraid. 
But God wants you and I to know that He cares about everyone. He cares about the lost. If I remember the account correctly, I remember when Pastor David Wilkerson was pastoring a church in a small rural town. God spoke to him one day and said, Pastor David, I want you to go to New York City, and I want you to minister to the young people who have been caught up in the gang lifestyle. And though not having experience with that, he responded to the Lord and said, Lord, I'll go. He went, and you can read the story in the book called The Cross and the Switchblade. But as he went there and he got to know some of the young people, some of them were the head of the gangs in New York City who would have deadly fights. And in one encounter, uh, this young gang leader was standing before David Wilkerson and said to him, don't you know that at this very moment I could cut you up into a thousand pieces? And David Wilkerson looked back at the young man and said, but I want you to know that every piece of me would be saying the same thing. God loves you, and He cares for you, and He wants to change your life that young man would end up getting saved. His life was not only transformed, but he began to speak to all of the gang members that he was leading. Their lives were transformed, and he then took on the ministry of traveling throughout the United States and ministering to thousands and thousands of people. The ministry of Teen Challenge was birthed through Pastor David Wilkerson, and thousands and thousands of people's lives have been set free from all kinds of addictions through the power of the Word of God and Jesus Christ. But can you imagine now if Pastor David had never responded to the call or if he allowed fear to direct his steps? I want to share this word with you that you and I are not called to live in fear. We are called to step out in faith and be obedient to God. I am well aware of the various news reports of things that happen in our own city. I am well aware that the crime level seems to be rising. But I want to tell every single one of us that God has given us a commission to be able to stand firm and to shine the light of Jesus in our community. The power of darkness is not going to take a step back just because it's asked to. The Bible tells us that we as the church have authority through the word of God and that not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against the church. What does that mean? That means that the gates will not stand in the way. Gates don't move on their own. And so the gates aren't the ones moving forward. It's the church that has to go through the gate. 
and we must take steps forward to reclaim our community for the glory of God. I want to encourage you to pray that God will guide you as you live in your neighborhood, maybe in the summertime. Maybe it's a little bit cold now, unless you like walking in the wintertime. But as you walk your neighborhood, make it a prayer walk. I've walked down my street. I live on Emerson Street. And I've walked down one side and up the other. And as I walk, I pray for each home. God, I don't know this person who lives in this home, but you do. Would you set them free? Because Jesus died for them too. Though I don't know them yet, God knows them. And I'll walk to the next house. Oh, God, you know about this person. I'm walking my dogs, nonchalantly walking by, but they don't know the spiritual warfare that's happening on their behalf because God answers prayer. And I want to challenge you, friends. Begin to believe in the power of God to work before you can see it. Because if you already see it, you don't need faith. It's taking that step of faith before you see it that is the step of faith. And I want to encourage you on your job, nonchalantly, you go out for lunch, walk around your place of work, and claim it for Christ. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will touch every person in this building. Give me opportunities and the words to speak and the boldness to proclaim the message of the gospel. And as you pray, you'll be surprised to see what God will do. And you'll begin to see souls saved for the glory of God because His Holy Spirit is the one that draws people. Oh, it's good for you to speak, and you need to, just like the shepherds did. But I want to tell you, it's not your oratory that's going to save anybody. The Bible says that not one of us would have come to Christ if the Holy Spirit had not drawn us. So the first part in that battle is you need to pray for the souls of those people that God will prepare their hearts. If you note that in each revival that has happened on our planet, it has always been preceded by a significant and often lengthy time of prayer. And during that time of prayer, it almost seemed like nothing was happening. Which is why I get excited every Sunday night. Some nights, I see very few people at our prayer meeting. And in my natural self, I say to myself, what's going on? Why is it that prayer is demoted to such a minimal priority in our church? I'm being open with you. But on the other hand, I get excited because I know that during that time of corporate prayer, there are spiritual bondages that are being broken in the heavenlies. And those who do come are a part of the army of warriors that are going to see God break through the gates of hell in the Springfield area. And I want to tell you, friends, we are living in evil days. The Bible says we are to redeem the time because the days are short. Do you believe that he means that? We've got so many things going on in our lives. And I speak with many people. And people will prioritize all kinds of things 
I've got this Christmas party. I've got this family event. Wonderful things. But we must also prioritize seeking our Heavenly Father. Because I'm going to tell you, if a tragedy hits Springfield, then all of a sudden the place fills up with people seeking God. And I'm here to challenge you. Don't wait. Get ready now so that you can be prepared yourself and to proclaim the message to those who need to hear. And as you pray, I believe that God works in the spiritual realm and he's breaking through strongholds. He's breaking through strongholds and you and I will be able to see a great increase and I'm going to tell you that when we take those steps of faith, sometimes it takes a period of time. The battle's not easy. And sometimes it's not fun. But it's well worth it. For those of you who have walked through some terrible things, you know what it's like when someone's praying for you. And I want to tell you, be that prayer warrior to pray for somebody else. Don't just wait to call on someone else to stand beside you and pray. You stand beside someone else and pray. Because when you do, you're sowing a seed that will end up being a great blessing to you. Because then when you need it, someone's going to be there for you to be able to hold you up in prayer. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is working in these days in a special way because the days are short. And as evil abounds, the Bible says grace abounds even more. And I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is, is, is desired to be poured out on every single one of us in a special way. But we must seek the Lord for us to see God do the wonders that he desires to do to draw many people to himself. The message that the angels brought to the shepherds was a very simple one. And I just want to remind you, when you proclaim the gospel, you don't have to have a bachelor's degree to do it. It's very simple. It's very simple. It's good to get education. I got education. I thank God for it. But I'm going to tell you this, that your education cannot replace your passion for God. And there are people who have a passion for God who aren't yet educated. But there are people who can be well-educated who have lost their passion for God. And I'd rather take passion for God over education any day. Because God can take anything and use it for his glory. My challenge to all of us here today is to be willing to reach out to those who are not on our A-list in other words, they may not be the first ones that we would go tell a message like this to. I'm so grateful for George Cadiz, who regularly goes out and shares the message of the gospel on the streets. There are many people who are homeless. There are many people who are down and out, and they need the message of the gospel. May God help us, like the shepherds, to take what we've heard and to share it with others. 
who truly need to hear. And as we do what God has called us to do, we will see a great increase with souls saved for the glory of God because Jesus came to this earth to save the lost. I'm going to ask if those in the worship team could please come on up. In just a couple moments, you are going to receive the elements of communion. I'm going to invite those who will be serving communion to please take your places. Before Jesus died, every year, God's people would celebrate Passover. And it was a marking of the special event when his people were set free because of the blood that was put on the doorposts when the death angel passed over. In a similar way, as that lamb had to be killed for the blood to be put on the doorpost, Jesus the Messiah, whom John the Baptist proclaimed, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was that sacrifice and the blood would be put over the hearts of everyone who would surrender to him and their souls would be saved from the death angel. After Jesus died, we share in communion in remembering what he did. It's what he told us to do when he shared that last Passover before he died. And this morning, it is the blood of Jesus that binds our hearts together. And I want you to know that God is looking deeper than what you see on the outside. He sees your heart. And at times, we can even hide things from ourselves. There are times we can even deceive ourselves. The psalmist David said, Search my heart, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Sometimes we can think better of ourselves than we really are. But God knows every hidden sin and anything that keeps us from His presence. God wants you and I to have an open relationship with Him. And sin is the thing that keeps us from that. And I just want to tell you that taking communion is a very serious thing. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that when we share communion together and we're living in outright sin, I'm not talking about a mistake that you made and you've taken care of it. I'm talking about when you're living in disobedience to the living God. If you share in communion and you absolutely refuse to live right before God, 
you actually can bring a curse upon yourself. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, some of you are weak and some of you have even died because you have refused to acknowledge what communion really is. Now, you don't need to be a member of Christian Life Center to share communion this morning, but you do need to be a member of the family of God. And on another note, you need to be walking right with God. If you in this place are living in disobedience and you have not made things right with God, I want to encourage you to first get right with God and then take communion. Because what can happen is, is you can fool yourself to think that just because you shared communion this morning that somehow God just glosses it all over and He doesn't do that. The Scripture says that when we come before God and we bring our gift to Him, He says if you have something that you have even against your brother or your sister, leave your gift. Don't give it to me. Go get right with me. Uh, with your brother, rather, your sister, and then come and give your gift. So God takes these things seriously. So if you want to live under the blessings of the Lord, I challenge you, live right with God. If you're living right with God, they, then enjoy the blessing of remembering the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ through the sharing of communion today. If you're not, I encourage you to pass on it and to get things right with God. And then the next time around, you'll be able to share communion together. I share that seriously because God takes it seriously. I'm going to ask if the, uh, those who will be serving would please come on down at this time. And they are going to begin uh, serving you communion. If you would hold on to the elements until everybody has been served, and then we will all share them together at the same time. The scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 23. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. I want to pause here for a moment. I never take for granted that because you're in church that you're ready for heaven. There may be one or more of you in this place today. The Holy Spirit has been drawing you to Christ. But you have not yet made that decision to say, I surrender all to you, Jesus. Maybe today is that day for you. Maybe today you'd be willing to say, God, I surrender my life. I'm not going to live it for myself anymore. I want you to forgive me of my sin, and I believe that you died for me. And I surrender my life to you from this point forward. All across this room, if you could close yourself in with God for a moment. Before we take these elements of communion... What we're doing here today symbolizes the love of Jesus for every person in this room and on this planet. And if you're here this morning and you need to take that step, the Holy Spirit says to you, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. 
myself included. Our life is like a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Are you ready to meet Jesus? If you're not sure of that, I want to invite you this morning to take that step of faith and to say, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. If you're here and you would like to take that step, I want to invite you right where you're sitting to raise your hand. I would love to pray with you and to be, believe God together with you for a transformation. If you're in this room and you decide to follow Jesus, would you simply raise your hand? I would love to pray with you. God sees your hand, my sister. And he sees your heart. And he loves you very much. Is there anyone else present that needs to take that step and is willing to do so this morning? Jesus would have died if it were only for one. I'm going to ask that all of us would join in this prayer together. And as we pray, for you who lifted your hand, I want to encourage you to just simply pray these words from your heart. And the Bible says that with our heart we believe and with our mouth we confess. And the Holy Spirit does a work that is supernatural. And so let's do that now together, shall we? Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me for all my sin and wash my heart clean. Please make me a new person inside. I choose from this day forward to live my life in obedience to your word. Holy Spirit, please fill me and make me a brand new person. From this point forward, I choose to live my life to honor you. Amen. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God has done a work. A few things I want to encourage you in. Read God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, we are happy to give you one. Pray to the Lord. Talk to Him as He talks to you through His Word. Thirdly, find a church home, people that love Jesus. We welcome you here. And lastly, the Bible tells us that we are to not only surrender our life to Him, but to be baptized in water. And I encourage you to do that as you're at your earliest convenience. We rejoice with what the Spirit of God has done today. The Bible says that all the angels in heaven rejoice when even one gives their life to Christ. Would you join with the angels at this time and give the Lord praise for the work of His Holy Spirit? At this time, the element of the bread that you hold in your hand, we're going to pray, and then we're going to share it together. Lord, we thank you for what you did. We thank you that you were willing to allow your body to be broken so that we could be set free. As we share this communion together, Lord, we thank you for 
your price, the price you gave on our behalf so that our sins could be forgiven. Now as we share this, we ask your blessing upon this element which symbolizes your body. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen. Let us eat together. In the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and His people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. That's what we're doing here this morning. We are announcing the Lord's death until we see Him once again. Jesus, thank You for giving Your blood. For without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of my sin or anyone in this room. And we thank You for what You did so that we could be set free. We don't take Your sacrifice lightly. And we ask now that Your Holy Spirit would seal that work afresh in our hearts so that we will live lives of holiness and righteousness before you to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let us drink together. Would you join me in standing to your feet? Would you take a moment and just raise your hands towards heaven and thank God for what he has done for you in your own words. As you go your way today, I want to encourage you to keep Christ at the center. Never allow the world to pull your attention away from the one who bought you from the world. Praise God for His grace. Amen. And may now that grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you. Amen. God bless you all. Go from this place in the presence of the Lord.